As we continue the conversation from our last episode around grief, I think it's very important for us to really look to our Lord and Savior and his example of grief, much like we would anything else as disciples of Christ. When I first started thinking about this topic, there were three instances that came to mind for me of how Jesus grieved. One was when Jesus wept at Lazarus's tomb when he died. The second was Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then the third was Jesus on the cross when he asked the father to forgive them for they know not what they do. So let's dive into each of these and really just take a look at what we can learn from Jesus about grieving and his process and circumstances surrounding those. Are you feeling like it's finally time to break free from trauma and the drama of a past relationship? Do you find yourself searching for scriptures and sermons for ways to heal from past pain and forgive those who gave it? Are you hoping that someday you'll finally have the clarity you need to move on with your life? Well, you have found the right place. In this podcast, you're going to find clarity, sis. You're going to gain confidence. You're going to find new strength. And that's all going to be done through scripture, tips, resources, and coaching so that you can start to live a more fulfilling life. Grab your journal, sis. Let's get to work. The more that we talk about grief, uh, the more likely it is that you're going to realize, dang, I really need to get my life together (laughs) in this area. We chatted about grief a little bit in the Facebook community last week as we responded to the question, what gets in the way of grieving? Now, I won't share all of the responses because, you know, you need to be in the Facebook group anyway. But it was clear that life's demands just get in the way. But what if I told you that it only took one hour, one hour every week or every other week to commit to doing the necessary internal work so you can be lighter and freer? Would it be worth it for one hour? If so, I invite you to head over to a radicalrelationship.com backslash forgiveness coaching to learn more about our updated coaching offering. These one hour sessions are literally less than $50, only $47 a session, and you get the first session free through booking a discovery call. I mean, it's giving. Come on, friend. (laughs) I would love the opportunity to journey with you. Today's episode is cool because this actually isn't something that I've studied out in scripture before. So I was excited to look at this for y'all to see what exactly the Bible has to teach us about grieving through Jesus's example. And so we're going to be taking a look at what brought about these circumstances, really uh, diving into Jesus's response and how it can speak to our hearts uh, in ways that we may need to be challenged and in ways that we may need to be encouraged through our grief. So the first instance that I mentioned was Jesus weeping when Lazarus died. And this passage is found in John chapter 11. And I have the Bible here as well. Um, And so um, Jesus receives news that Lazarus was sick. And y'all may know the story that Jesus takes his sweet time getting to the place where Lazarus is. And so um, 
we pick up here in verse, um, let's start in verse 30. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you if only you had been here, my brother would have wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. So Jesus's weeping was brought about by first seeing how others were were moved in their grief as well. So let's take note of Mary here and even just her authenticity to say, Jesus, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> the fact that she was so hurt, hurt Jesus uh, in the ESV version of this passage um, in verse 32, verse 33, it, it just says he was deeply troubled, not only as he looked at Mary, but then also as he looked at the others that were with her. So my question to you is, do you believe that God's heart is moved by your emotions? Because it is. Lazarus was his friend, y'all. So I'm sure that Jesus was saddened by his death, right? But the scriptures say when Jesus saw her weeping and the other Jews, he was deeply moved and greatly troubled. He cares, y'all. <laughs> He's moved by your tears. They don't go unnoticed. And even though he knew he was about to perform a miracle, a miracle and everything was going to be okay, he was still moved, even though he knew that it was actually all going to work out. So sit with that and allow this passage to really inform how God feels about your grief. He's moved when you're moved, so much so that it causes him to grieve as well, right? So we have a savior, and I know y'all know this, that can empathize with our pain. He isn't so far removed from us that he doesn't get it, right? Why? Because he made the sacrifice to come down as human, because he loved us so much that he was willing to lower himself so that he could make the necessary sacrifice. And with all of that sacrifice came the human experiences that we know is grief as well. So he can empathize, right? So then in verse 38, it says, Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. My Bible shut up, y'all, but that's all right. We're going to open it back up. John eleven thirty eight. 38. Uh, here in verse 38, it says, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A, a cave with a stone rolled across his entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. Uh, again, in the ESV version, it replaces this idea of being angry with this idea of being really moved, really stirred. This man is grieving, y'all. He's deeply moved again. He's feeling all the feels. You know what's so crazy about Jesus's grief is that he knows the outcome, like I mentioned. So that's an element of his human nature exposed because Jesus knew that Lazarus was about to be resurrected, but that didn't stop him from being moved. 
when he was on the cross, he knew he was going to be resurrected, but that didn't stop him from feeling forsaken and abandoned because he was human, y'all. Okay, like this passage is preaching. We are seeing all of the emotions from Jesus Christ himself. So if if he can put himself in a position where he can lean into his emotions and even the fact that his emotions continue to overtake him because of the circumstance, how much more so should we allow ourselves to be overtaken and to lean into our emotions? Because this is literally the man who can change it all and he's moved. (laughs) This is the man who's about to raise him from the dead and he's moved by the grief, by the pain, right? So you can have faith in God and still grieve, you're acknowledging the reality of the situation doesn't change the possibility of the outcome. Your emotions are not too much for God. You're, you're going to feel what you're supposed to feel and God is still good, right? It's not either or. So let me talk to the person that feels like acknowledging the reality says something about God's character. It don't, not so. You actually, you ain't that big and bad, (laughs) right? God's character doesn't change just because circumstances did. God is still good, even in the midst of abandonment, in the midst of the trauma, in the midst of the death, in the midst of the grief. So feel what you need to feel because God is still God. He is still good. Your situation can still be resurrected, even though you're looking at the dead thing. I mean, come on now. They literally coming up to the tomb. They coming up to the grave. The man is dead. The situation is dead. It looks as if there is no hope. But here comes Jesus, right? In the midst of the grief. So whatever your dead thing is, please go ahead and grieve it because resurrection can still happen, y'all. It's not too late. So this is the first instance uh, found in John 11. The second instance is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this passage is found um, in Matthew 26. So um, Matthew 26, um, verses 36 through 44, and I'm not going to go through and read the entire passage, but I certainly encourage you to, because it's, it's one of those bangers is one of the ones that I always come back to, to be able to really just relate to Jesus and his humanity. Um, so in this instance, we see Jesus's grief shaped into prayers. And that's a gem right there. So catch that when you don't know where to start, pray. Just start talking to God about how you feel and you will in fact grieve as you get honest. You just got to start talking. (laughs) You just got to start getting it out. Now, Gethsemane means olive oil, uh, means oil press. So this is a garden area on the Mount of Olives where olives are made or olives are pressed to make what? Olive oil. Okay, we get into the oil. (laughs) Sometimes the pressing is necessary for the oil to flow. Mm, Catch that wave. Sometimes the pressing is necessary, y'all, for the oil to flow, but we can't get to the oil unless we lean into the pressing. Some of us just want the oil, right? We just want the good thing. We just want to get to the other side. We just want the result. 
We don't want to deal with the emotions. We don't want to cry our eyes out and be inconvenienced. We don't want to have the hard conversations with God. We don't want to face the hard realities. We don't want to get on the cross. We just want to wake up resurrected. And well, while anything is certainly possible, right, with our God, more often than not, it just don't happen that way. <laughs> now, I'm going to need you to head on into the place of pressing and get those emotions out because there are some things that need to be crucified in order for the resurrection to take place and God can be glorified. Catch that. <laughs> there are some things that have to be crucified in order for the resurrection to take place so that God can be glorified. Can't nothing be resurrected if you have refused to acknowledge that it's dead. If you keep trying to act like it ain't in the tomb, if you keep avoiding going to the place, well, shoot, what is there to be resurrected if you ain't acknowledge that nothing's actually dead? <laughs> that something actually needs to happen in your heart, you know, that you need to believe again, that you need to be healed. When, how is it going to happen, you know, unless you first acknowledge? Now, I haven't really even gotten into the passage, but let's just talk about this process that Jesus was in before even getting to the cross. This is him praying before the cross, which was the point of the most excruciating pain, right? Jesus had to get honest, gut level honest. And despite how much grief and turmoil he experienced here, this wasn't even the peak of his pain. And so we see here in these verses, Matthew 26, starting in verse 36, um, he says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death in verse 37. My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. I don't even think we can begin to understand what that's like, right? He goes on to say, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will, not my will to be done. He's like, father, please get me out of here. Get me out of this place. I don't want to have to do this. If there's any other way, let's not. And I know that we often feel like that about our grief, right? Like, man, if there's any other way for me to grieve, if there's any other way for me to get to the other side of this pain without having to go through the cross, man, God, get me up out of here. Nevertheless, though, Jesus example, not my will, but your will be done where he says, if that's the only way that this can be done, I'm yours. And I think we've got to get to that point of surrender, right? Where we say, man, if the only way to it is through it, through it, I go. Again, this wasn't even the peak of his pain. He just knew what was coming. And I highlight this because we need to be sober minded in our expectation of this Christian walk, right? Jesus modeled how hard this thing is. He didn't set up this fairy tale story, y'all. He lived the hard, okay? So, we see here in this passage, he, he comes and he prays one time. He comes and he prays two times. He comes and he prays three times. My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. So we see him coming back to back, back to back, being persistent. And he doesn't say, it doesn't say that he felt better about the situation. He was finally just like, okay, if, if this is the only way and I got a drink of this cup, then let's do this. Based on the fact that God wasn't changing 
the situation, the outcome, he simply had to resolve that he had to face the heart that he didn't want to face. Again, look at his example. Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better, y'all. That's just the hard truth. You're going to have to face your heart. And Jesus modeled that for us. Okay. And then lastly, the third instance, we see Jesus on the cross. And this um, passage, you can find it in uh, Matthew 27. Um, if you're in that gospel, but um, we're going to look at something else in Luke. So in the next chapter in Matthew 27, we see Jesus on the cross and a number of things stand out to me um, in that passage. Again, we see him cry out here in verse uh, 47, uh, verse 46. He says, I might butcher this, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani which means my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus felt abandoned. He felt that God had left him. This was grief. Okay. And maybe that's you. Maybe you feel like God forgot about you. Maybe you feel like God hasn't come through for you. I know for me, uh, when I went through my divorce, I was like, God, what else did you want from me? Like, I don't know what else I could have done differently for this to work out, right? I also used to be like, why is it that my life is the one that's jacked up? And I would compare myself to my friends and people around me and be like, I'm the only one that's experiencing this thing, you know? Like, why does this have to be my portion? Why me? I don't understand why my life had to be the one that was consistently jacked up. And he would constantly reassure me by saying, Shell, I'm going to use it. This isn't in vain. I'm calling you to a group of people who's going to need to hear the jacked up story, not the perfect story. They're going to need to see me move through the mess in your life, not hear about all the pitfalls that you avoided. And even now, my testimony continues to unfold that way in my current marriage with the fact that, you know, my husband, Aaron, he comes from a background of addiction and baby was just in the streets, you know, living a reckless lifestyle. He is taking the message. God is taking the message and making a message literally. And he wants to do the same with your situation. If you're grieving, allow him to. But first, you got to get real. You got to acknowledge, right? So it's actually in Luke's account that we see Jesus uh, asks for the forgiveness of those who were crucifying him. Literally, they're killing this man and he's asking for their forgiveness. So there's a number of things to unpack with this statement. So we're actually going to get into that next week and it's going to be so good. Okay. So what I hope though, is that, that you, you now understand even more that leaning into the pain is absolutely necessary. Ain't no way around it, sis. Ain't no way around it, bro. You got to lean in. Do you see how it was necessary for Jesus? And if it was necessary for Jesus, then it's most certainly necessary for you, right? Like he was the person who could change everything. 
And so if you need to unpack this a little bit more, then book that free discovery call. Let's chat about it. Let's see how the Holy Spirit might be leading you to grieve. Again, you can book a call at eradicalrelationship.com backslash forgiveness coaching. And we're going to walk this thing out together to finally get you to the place of freedom that I know that you've been longing to be in. Until next time, I'm out, friends. Hey, girl, hey. If you enjoyed today's episode, sis, chances are there are other women just like you who would enjoy it too. But they won't know about it unless we actually tell them, okay? So if you don't mind helping me spread the word, will you take 30 seconds to leave a review of the show and then screenshot this episode and share it with your friends wherever you like to hang out? It really would mean so much to me. All right, go and review those journal notes. I'll meet you back here next week for another session.